I forgot to bring my stand, so uh, I'm, uh, please bear with me while I'm just getting this, if I can, at an angle, so that I'll be able to see it, otherwise I'll just talk about anything, but it's so good. Um, Nathan mentioned, before we take our seats, we just want to say, first of all, we're in all our campuses today for this message, and we just want to say again, if anybody's in Icon Church for the first time today, want to give you a huge welcome. So come on, church, let's do that. And then let me say, before we... Um, take our seats. Not only did Jeannie and I, uh, Nathan mentioned here in Chesterfield just about the Ground Level Leaders Conference, but many of our people from Icon Church were heavily involved in the Leaders Conference, and I thought it'd be great just to celebrate a few of those. Lucy Buckley did an incredible job uh, just planning and working, worked her socks off. And uh, one of the first up, one of the last to bed, and uh, 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 so did so well. But then we had some people on the worship team, Alice, who led us in Chesterfield, one of the worship leaders here this morning, Nathan Blood and Ben Lloyd, they, they, they were also part of that, and many others serving in different areas of ground level. So come on, why don't we welcome, why don't we celebrate them this morning? Okay, one more thing, one more thing. Imagine Conference is less than two weeks away. And I just, on the back of going to First Leaders Conference for three years, I want to tell you how good it is to be at a conference, be in the room with a group of people. So you don't want to miss Imagine Conference. If you're not booked in yet, please book in this morning, this week. Get yourself booked in and uh, get your lunches booked. Get Get ready to come because I believe just like at our Grand Level Leaders Conference, God did some amazing things. God is going to do some amazing things at that conference. So you can take your seats in all our campuses and uh, we, I want to get into the message, get into the word. Has anybody got anything that is about that thick that would, uh, I could just stand at the front. What's Jeannie got? Oh, she got a purse. Let me just tell you. That is a first. That is a first. In 37 years of marriage. Yes, perfect. That is a first. Okay. 1968. I was four. But the Swiss in 1968 produced 65% of watches. And they en- of the watch market. And they enjoyed 80%. It's all right, somebody's just taking a phone call. 80% of the profits. It was the market leader for 60 years. In 1980, however, those figures had dropped to less than 10% of sales and 20% of profits. What happened? Well, this happened. Do you remember this? (laughs) Electronics. Along came the Japanese and the market went digital. And the most, I remember having a a, a digital watch and I just remember I had a calculator on it and everything. I had this little pin to be able to press all the buttons. It was phenomenal. And the most intriguing thing though about this story is that the Japanese who invented Casio and people like that actually offered the electronics to the Swiss watchmakers but they didn't bite. They were more enamored with watches with gears and possibly missed an opportunity. We could say they were more focused on maintenance than mission. What about this? Anybody know what this is? 
This is the only remaining blockbuster store in the world. It's in Bend in Oregon in the USA. But in the early 2000s, you will remember they were everywhere. And uh, actually in the US alone, they had over 9,000 stores in the early 2000s. What happened? Netflix happened. But intriguing, just the same as watches, Netflix offered the technology to Blockbuster. But Blockbuster stayed with what they knew and a few years later actually went bust. You see, it's not only Swiss watchmakers and DVD stores, but it's the church too that can refuse to change, refuse to move forward. And it's so it matters so much to us that we don't get focused on maintenance, but that we get focused on mission. And so my message today is continuing the series, The Future of Everything. I want to talk about the future of mission. You see, we all fall in love with the church as it is when we join it. When we join the church, we join it because we love it because we fall, and we fall in love with it. But unless we continue to love the church as it inevitably and necessarily changes, we have a problem. And I wonder, have we, the church, become too enamored with our gears that we failed to reinvent ourselves for a new generation? The UK has experienced staggering church decline in attendance over the last 70 years. But at the same time, in other parts of the world, the church has been thriving and growing at the fastest pace ever. Places like South America, Asia, Australasia, China, certain parts of Africa. And what has been happening in those places is nothing short of remarkable. Even within the UK, while parts of the church have experienced this huge decline, there's been other churches, like Icon Church, who've thrived over recent periods. Churches that have become vibrant and faithfully proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. A church that has discovered maintenance is not our mission. Reaching people with the message of Jesus is our mission. I ask myself this question, why am I, why are you part of this greatest movement on the planet called the church? A movement that carries at its heart the message of how a person can be reconciled to God and be reconciled to their neighbor and find the purpose that they were born for. One thing's for sure, we're not part of this revolution known as the church in order to maintain the status quo. I want you to grab that this morning. We're not here to maintain the status quo. We are not to hold the fort until Jesus comes, as one hymn suggests. We are people on a mission. In Latin, it's called Missio Dei, the mission of God. Last week, I quoted Todd Bolsinger in a book, from a book called Canoe in the Mountains. And he said this, God doesn't have a mission for his church. He has his church for his mission. A church that adopts a maintenance mode will not fulfill the Missio Dei. And the mission of God is to bring the good news, the gospel of the kingdom to every person. The good news that every person that will trust in Jesus can come into a relationship with God and experience his rule through Jesus, his son, within their lives. 
The church has been too interested in holding on long enough so that it can get to heaven. It's forgotten that God's heart is for us to bring heaven to earth. Tom Wright said this, great theologian and writer said, many people are interested in a theology about them going to heaven. Jesus was much more interested in a theology that talks about heaven coming to earth. We could do with a bit more of heaven, right? I tell you, when I read the newspaper and I read it digitally on my phone every morning, when I hear stories from people, like if we are not seeing right now that humanity without Jesus is a mess, then we are completely blind. We could do with a bit more heaven. I don't want to focus today on the ills of our world, but they're front and center. They're right before us. They're hitting us, smacking us right between the eyes. This is a world without Jesus. It's why God has got his church for his mission. A little more heaven, please. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've got a problem because I believe the pandemic is turning the church inward. I think as a result of it, I'm seeing it all the, all the time. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, it's the church. We've got to focus on us. It's just us or it's just me in my home. I think even online church can turn us inward. Yeah. You know, the other, the other week I was sick and I was so thankful for online church because I could join the services at home. It wasn't the same as being here, but I could still join the services I've been on holiday and I've watched the services online. Someone messaged me some time ago and they said, Paul, I was in the, and in the service and the message came through and said, Paul, I'm so glad for you do. You put the services online because right now I'm laying next to a pool in Portugal. I was here on a freezing day <laughs> and I'm watching church online. They mentioned the drink they'd got, which I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it wasn't coffee. Uh, so I'm thankful for online church. I'm thankful. I'm on a sunbed on my holidays. I'm watching online church. And it's helpful for those pe- pur- purposes. It's helpful for people who can't easily get out. My mom, hi mom. And uh, the time has not started, so I've still got all my time. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Anything could happen. Hey, uh, people who can't easily get out, who it's difficult to get out. Can watch online. People who move, move geographically, but they say there's no icon church, we want to stay connected, and we know we have many people who've done that, who've moved physically to other parts and they want to stay connected. I think it's fantastic. But I want to say the primary purpose of online church is mission for people who aren't in church. Many of you who have come to Icon Church in some of our campuses, some of you said, we've watched Icon for weeks. One couple told me some time ago, we watched six months before we came. They they don't live very far away. They live down the road before we came. But once we're part of the church, online becomes a supplement. It's something that helps us. It's something that's needed. It's something that's missional. But you know, it's not just online church. And I'm not knocking online church. We're doing it and we're going to keep doing it. We like it. We love it. 
But you know, I've seen some churches who've just gone very inward in the pandemic. We just need to concentrate on ourselves. We need stronger discipleship. Amen. I agree. We need we need connect groups, focus on our connect groups. But some churches actually have stopped meeting together and just focused on their smaller gatherings. It's driven much of the church inward. But I believe our mission is always outward. It's always other-focused. As someone said, church is the only society that primarily exists for those who are not yet its members. As we gather together, as we worship, as we proclaim the Jesus in community, we're on mission. Mission to reach people for Jesus. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of how we can be forgiven and become, have a relationship with God restored, and the good news that we can submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because that is far better than what we see in our world, a life without Jesus. And the point of salvation then is for us to share the good news with others to proclaim it. We've been sent. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but you have been sent. I love these words from the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 verses 13 to 15. He says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. First, everyone, I love that. But how can they call on him to save unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they hear about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? That's why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. It's why we exist. It's why we're together. It's why we're the church. We have been sent with the mission of God. Everyone, the Apostle Paul says. He's the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, but right here he's quoting another apostle. He's quoting the Apostle Peter, who said on the day the church was born, the day of Pentecost, his first sermon, which is in the book of Acts, says this. Acts 2 and verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Peter wrote a few letters, and in his second letter, Peter says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand lowest. Instead, he's patient with you. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad God is patient with me. Not wanting anyone to perish. Perish means going into an eternity without Jesus. Perish means going into a life, living a life without Jesus. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, that turn around to following Christ. Our mission then as those sent by Jesus into our world, those who've been given the command go, is to bring good news to the lives of people via both word and deed. How can they call on the one that they've not believed in, Paul says? And I think this is true of our world more than ever before in our lifetime. We're living in a post-Christian world here in the West. It's a massive mission field. And so Paul teaches us this. If people don't hear, if they don't believe, they need to hear. And to hear, they need to hear the message of Christ. Because he says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the message of Christ. I hope even now you're getting encouraged in this sermon. I hope even now you're thinking, we're on a, we've got a purpose as a church. We're going to reach people with the message of Jesus because this is our mission. So I want to ask the question this morning and be practical. How can we begin to be missional, you and I? Or how can we continue to be missional? For many of us, sharing our faith can be daunting, fearful. I know people have talked to me and said, I find it really hard to talk about my faith, but I don't believe it needs to be so. I think I'd like to share three thoughts. Is that okay this morning? The first thought is this, invest. Let me read Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you and be certain of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. The translation of go into all the world in Matthew 28, many commentators suggest could be as you are going, as you are going. It's not a specific, you know, Dave, I want you to go to Barnsley or, you know, Tom, I want you to go to Timbuktu, wherever Timbuktu is. It's not as you are going. As you're going into your family, into your work, into your daily life. Our sense of sentness should be experienced in our everyday lives. Uh, I, I know it's bank holiday tomorrow, but, but God is sending you somewhere tomorrow. As we're going to the office, to the school, to the job, to the pub with friends maybe, even within our families, wherever we find ourselves in life, we're on a mission not just simply when we feel a call to a specific place or a call to a specific country, but we're on a mission in our world, in our street, as you are going. Our everyday life is our mission field that God has sent us into. So many of us are coveting the streets of other people. If only I had their life, if only God called me to plant a church in this place, or I always wanted to do a beach mission in Miami. <laughs> That's covered in their street and longing for someone else's life when God is wanting to use me in my life. Wanting me to see the good news of Jesus impact the lives of people where I live and where I am. We need to speak to the world around us, the world that's immediate, the world in which we live and breathe daily. Our mission field is first and foremost the people in our world. And our, my suggestion, and our suggestion is we need to find ways to invest some time in those people. You know, Jesus was the master at reaching people far from God. He showed up at parties, he helped people, he prayed for people, and he sometimes even invited himself for tea. In Luke's gospel, one writer says that in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either at a meal, going to a meal, or coming from a meal. But not only that, as you go through Luke's gospel, Jesus' focus is continually on reaching others and speaking to others. Let me just run you through these couple of slides. Luke chapter 4, he gives the manifesto of the good news of the kingdom. Luke chapter 5, he eats with sinners. Luke chapter 6, he says, love your enemies. Take the good news even to your enemies. 
He eats chapter 7 with a Pharisee. In chapter 9, he feeds 5,000. Luke chapter 10, he's eating at the home of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, again, is the story of the Good Samaritan uh, as to how even people cultures that hated each other needed to be given the good news of the kingdom. Luke chapter 14, he eats with a Pharisee and talks about a kingdom feast in the future. Luke chapter 15, he he tells three stories, the story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And in every story, something is lost. And then it's found, and then there's a party. (laughs) I love that, don't you? Then in Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, what an incredible story that is where this chief tax collector climbs a tree and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for tea. Luke 22, he's eating still his last meal, the last supper. And then even after the resurrection, he doesn't stop. He walks with the two men and he has food after the walk on the Emmaus road. I think here's what we can do. In 2022, as Icon Church, we could start to pray for some people and we can start to invest time in building relationships. You know, I love that verse in Peter. It says, God is not in a rush. He's patient with you. And building relationships takes time, but you have to start somewhere. And maybe it starts with praying. Maybe it starts with something, you know, you do together. But I want to suggest Let's be a people that know every day of our lives we've been sent into this moment. You know, the statistics are staggering. Over 80% of Christians were first introduced to church or Jesus by a friend or close relative. It was someone they knew. Think about your life. Was that true for you? I mean, it was true for me. My mom became a Christian when I was three years of age. She'd been influenced by my grandmother who'd become a Christian many years ago. My grandmother had been influenced by her friend, B.T. Knight. And I can still remember B.T. Knight. And my grandmother eventually became a Christian because of her friend, B.T. Knight. And they were in the Salvation Army and, you know, in their uniforms. And then they moved from the Salvation Army to a Pentecostal church, which is where my mom got saved and I got saved. But all of that, three generations, was because of that connection. The statistics are staggering. Over 80% of Christians were first introduced by a friend or a close relative. It was someone they knew. See, I love this story. I mentioned this guy earlier in Luke's Gospel, Luke 19, 1-10. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. There was a man named there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector of the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass by that way and when Jesus came by he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. (coughs) Zacchaeus he said, quick come down I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Now listen, don't make friendships so that you can sin as an excuse to do that. But it's not wrong 
if people are, it's not wrong to make friendships with people who are far away from God, how else will we fulfill our mission? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. One encounter with Jesus for Zacchaeus. And look at the transformation. Jesus was the master at reaching people formed from God. Showed up at parties, helped people, prayed for people, invited himself for tea. You know, I, um, the Romans loved Zacchaeus because he collected their taxes. And so they, they didn't mind him creaming off some of the revenue for his own profits and his own life. And maybe even to pay his staff. His cheating of old ladies, amongst others, is what had made Zacchaeus the man he was, very wealthy. But Jesus saw past his faults, and he saw his potential. <clears throat> Jesus saw past his faults, and not only saw his potential, but he saw his purpose. And his purpose was that he would use his skills in relationship with God for the kingdom of God. And that he would even use his wealth to bless others. When he saw him at a gaining a vantage point in the tree, Jesus says, come down, I'm coming to your house for tea. I, I wrote this in my book, Reformation, which you can only get digitally on Amazon. And I said this, we either get passionate about other people or we live with a disease called me. We either see that the kingdom of God is for all or we batten down the hatches waiting for the return of the king. Uh, in this story, Jesus is busy. Everyone wants a piece of him. The only people who don't like him are the super religious, and yet he still invests some time into Zacchaeus. Imagine if Jesus, if Jesus was like we are at times, just totally stressed out about our jobs or desperate to get out of the way and away from the crowds. Imagine if he was, Jesus was always contemplating going back to his former life as a construction worker, a carpenter to earn a living. If Jesus had lived like that, he'd have missed out on reaching Zacchaeus. Imagine if Jesus was like the Pharisees. Zacchaeus is toast. He's got no hope. He's the chief tax collector. He's running the show in Jericho, and the Pharisees would have no truck with Zacchaeus whatsoever. Here's the, here's the vision that the religious have for Zacchaeus and the vision that many religious people have for people in our world. The fire of God's judgment is upon them. However, Jesus didn't have that vision. He had a vision that let's eat and one meal with Jesus. That's all it took for this man to repent. Not only repent, but to make good on his illicit dealings. And so Zacchaeus announces that he's going to give half his possessions to the poor. And he's going to pay back four times anyone that he has cheated. Jesus announces, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now imagine we're like Jesus and we can see past the faults of people in our world and see their potential. That we can see that the 
whoever people are, whoever they are, maybe it's that annoying work colleague or that annoying boss or whoever, that neighbor, but we can see that their purpose too is to have a relationship with God. And we can slow down for them like Jesus slowed down for Zacchaeus. And we can invest some time and pray. And we can invest some time and build relationship. Step one, simple, invest. Prayers, time, coffee, barbecue, meal, gym. I want you to think this week, who are the people I could invest some time in? The second thing I want to invite you, consider, invite us to consider, is to invite Invest and invite. In 2008, a survey said that 20% of the unchurched UK population would go to church if they were invited. One in five, that is, would attend church if they were invited. That's staggering, isn't it? That means there's someone in my world, in your world right now, who'd be willing to attend church with me if I asked them and if I took them. So many stories in Icon Church of how people came to church and people connected with church, again, through family, through work colleagues or someone they know. Some weeks ago, we did, again, some prayer cards, didn't we, towards the beginning of the year, and we said, I want you to put some names of people and prayer cards, and again, we put them under this stage and also under the stage in our Stocksbridge building. These are people we want to see come to God or people we want to see come back to God. One person was so excited. I'm only here because my work colleague did this for me. And now I want to do this for someone else. So we've got some of these cards on your seats. They're just simple invest and invite cards. And on the back it says pray, build relationships, invite. And you can take this away and you can even today in this service, maybe God puts some people on your hearts and you can say, these are people I'm going to pray for. Put it in your wallet, put it in your purse. I can put it in Jeannie's purse this morning. And just do three things. Pray for them regularly. Invest some time in getting to know them. And when it's appropriate, and you choose when it's appropriate, bring them to something suitable at church. I want to suggest even that Imagine Conference, for some people, maybe there's women, ladies in your world who have not been connected to church for some time, that is a great opportunity to invite them back into church. I'm going to ask Nathan to come because I realize that, you know, for my generation, a card like this might have some, some help, but there are digital natives in our congregation. So Nathan, come on, just come and share. What are we going to do for the digital natives? So we've got a QR code behind me uh, that'll take you to just a website where you can fill that in again. Look at them all. They're all out. Phones are out. Phones are out. Is it working? And uh, I hope it's working. It was working earlier. Um, But simply, you'll just put your name, your email address, and then the people um, you are believing for that you're going to pray, build relationship and invite. And then off the back of that, our team this week, one will send you an email with that on, but we'll also send you some graphics that you can uh, use as screensavers on your phone, uh, screensavers on your computer. You can just put them in your photos. However you want to use them, you can do that so that it's a a constant reminder. Because I know that card, I would fill it in today with all great intentions and purposes, and then two years later, when I clear out my bag, I'll find it. Anyone else? Yeah? 
So this, I can see it every single day. I can put it as my screensaver and pray for that. So that's how we'll do that. Good job. Give it up for Nathan. That's awesome. <clears throat> Let me say that why this is important. Because at Icon Church, we want to continue the journey to create a culture of invitation within our church. You know, each week we see a great number of visitors across our campuses and in our church and in our, our ministries, but we want to see more and more. And we want to see more and more people who are far away from God or need to come back to God in those environments. I think this is a great way for us to start, don't you? Let's pray. Let's build relationships. And I, I, I believe, and somebody told me this years ago, and it stayed with me, that sometimes you sow seeds here and other things pop up over there. And the kingdom of God's like that. I know I've been like praying for things, praying for situations, praying for people. I'm thinking, Lord, nothing's happening, nothing happening. But the thing I'm praying for, for them, starts happening to these people over here. And sometimes I've had this sense from the Holy Spirit, it's actually because you're sowing those seeds that that seed is coming to fruition. Jesus is on a mission. It's to reach every person with a message. I want us to realize again that most of our church isn't saved yet. They've not even attended a service yet, but God by his spirit is pursuing them. God by his spirit is speaking them to them today. He's waiting to work along with our invitation and good news message. As Nathan Benja, who's just been up, often says, I'm not the savior, but I am the invitation. So three people, three things, pray, invest, and invite. And then the final thing is this. Don't look for the divine appointment. Just be one. Don't look for a divine appointment. 1980s, a book, I love this book, by the way. It was written called Divine Appointments. It was written by a guy called uh, Larry Tomzak, and he had a unique and incredible personal story. He was about to take his own life, to commit suicide, and someone spoke to him. And he realized that had that person not spoke to them, to him at that exact moment, he would have not been alive. And he realized that that interaction, that chance meeting, was a divine appointment. It was an appointment that God set up. And some of you may have stories like that where you know if I'd not met that person, if that person hadn't told me they were praying for me, See, this book came out at a time when many people in the church were teaching believers how to reach out with their faith. And one of the things was to consistently look for divine appointments. These were opportunities that God would engineer and craft in a person's day with the people in our world. And I think it's good to look for those moments and to spot them, to look for those divine appointments. But what is even better than that is to decide to be one. To decide to be that whoever I meet tomorrow, I'm going to be a divine appointment. Now that's hard for me. Because there's some people I meet in the day-to-day -day life, I don't want to be a divine appointment. I want to be the customer from hell. <laughs> or whatever. But to recalibrate my thinking and to think in this situation, how can be, I be the divine appointment that this person needs in this moment. This week, for many of us, I believe that you could look at your calendar right now and 
already there are moments in those calendars that have been crafted by God where you can bring hope, healing, and life to someone. You can bring words of encouragement and courage for someone. Words that could save someone's life and steer someone's future. They're already, I believe, in our calendars. It just needs a different mindset for you and I to live. Not to wait for a divine appointment, not to wait for a window, but to decide, I am a divine appointment. And I'm going to tell you in a few moments why you can even live like that. To, to actually determine to be the person that reaches out to the person. Uh, that speaks to someone in need in just the right moment and to expect that something can happen. I believe that we can believe that that will regularly happen in our lives. Jesus chose that for Zacchaeus and his life completely changed. Jesus chose it for the Samaritan woman, remember that story, who is fetching water from a well at a, at a time so that she's not noticed, at a, at a time where because of her shame she'll be all on her own. On her own, and Jesus speaks life and Jesus speaks grace to her. Jesus chooses to be the divine appointment for the woman who is in a public court and ready to be stoned for her adultery. But instead of enjoining in the condemners and the potential killers, Jesus offers grace, forgiveness, and hope. I think as a church, uh, well, I think the church, the big church, often we default waiting for God to move rather than believing that God is moving in me and can mean move through me. Often we lack confidence to know that God can use us. And I believe today that with all my heart that God is asking us to imagine that every day Yes, each and every day, you and I are somebody's divine appointment. They might even live in your house. They might live on your street. They might be in your office. We are somebody's connection to hope and grace and love that is only found in Jesus. What could happen? Imagine if we stepped into every day with that imagination that this day will be a day when I'm used by God to influence the life of another person. I mentioned earlier Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well and the miracle of that meeting was that Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. They wouldn't even talk to them. These two groups of people hated each other. But Jesus asked this woman for a drink. And then there's a longer conversation. She goes back to the village and she fetches all the people. She says, come see a man who told me everything, everything I ever did. And then in John chapter 4, verses 35 to 36, and the band are coming back now, it says this, Jesus says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look to the fields, for the fields are white unto harvest. The Samaritans dressed in white are coming out of the village. And Jesus goes on, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I want us to live with this spirit and this attitude, don't you? I, I want to live with it, to live with the attitude that the fields are white. I don't want to live with the attitude of maybe one day God will move, maybe one day something will happen. But I want to live with an attitude is how today could I be a divine appointment for somebody because the fields are white 
the labors of few. I think God is calling us as Icon Church to live with this attitude. I can't determine how other churches live. I can't determine how they approach the communal life of being the people of God. I don't have any authority anywhere else other than the invitations I get to speak and my leadership with Jeannie of the Ground Level Network. But in this church, in Icon Church, in all our campuses today, I believe that this is the spirit God wants us to have. That the fields are wide unto harvest. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to turn inward. I believe it's the will of God that we take what God does as we gather, as we connect, as the Spirit of God is at work amongst us, as we build community with each other, that we take what God does among us and we offer it to others. We give it away. This is the mission of God and we're all on mission. And let me tell you why you can believe that you're a divine appointment. You're a divine appointment because, there's the first thing, because God has sent you. You can believe that you're a divine appointment because you've been sent. We read it earlier in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation as you are going. Here's the second thing. You're a divine appointment because God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit for the purpose of being a witness. Acts 1 and verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. God wants to fill us with his spirit to receive the power to witness, the power to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. He's working right here and now. And the same God who transforms the life of Zacchaeus, offering grace and forgiveness is the same God can work in our lives. The same God who can give hope to a woman caught in adultery is the same God who can give grace and hope to people today. The same God who talks to a woman of Samaria who is hiding because of her shame is the same God who's reaching out to people in our world too. And the third thing, the third reason that you can believe that you are a divine appointment is that Jesus lives in you. I know if you're like me, sometimes it's not always Jesus that people see. But even though that's true, the truth is that Jesus Christ lives in us. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 says, Don't you realize about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? He's in you. Would you stand? We're going to pray. So maybe after I've prayed today, maybe here in the rooms today, you want to take a moment and fill in that card or maybe you want to think about it. Maybe we'll drop the QR code up again just at the end of the service for a few minutes. Maybe you want to take that QR code and take a moment. Three names. Pray. Build relationships. Invite. God is saying to us today, I'm sending you on a mission. And I believe prophetically that there's a Zacchaeus in your world. There's a Zacchaeus in my world. There's somebody that maybe even we've written off or other people have written off. There are people who 
We've not seen their potential. We've seen their annoyance. But God wants us to look past that today and see that they were born for relationship.